Welcome to the Kick-Ass Podcast. I am your host, the Reverend Captain Kick-Ass. And then in 2020, we'll be growing it even more, but we're pit- now we're pitching to the general public, hey, would you be better off without the federal government? Well, and like, that's one of the things, uh, the questions that I had for you today is like, uh, my friends and, you know, we'll, I'll loosely refer to them as my audience, but the, the people <laughs> who know me and who hear me talk about, I guess I'll call it anti-statism, right? I don't have another word for it about the horrors of government and why it's just a terrible idea. Um, They hear me talk about it all the time and say things, and so I'm gonna ask you a question that I think I have the answers to, but I'm gonna ask you because I wanna hear your answer to it, and more importantly, I want the people who have listened to me to hear it from somebody else. <laughs> all right, right, right. Because like, it's it's kind of an isolating thing when you first start talking about this kind of stuff. Nobody is down with it. No, everybody's like, "What are you talking about? End of the government? Holy crap! Are you insane?" You well, know, that's, are you that's extremist, right? you're gonna like my talk tonight because it it really is. Oh, I'm sure I will. In, in, the, the first part of it, at least, is really focused on that shift in attitude that, that I've gone through and when you stop arguing with people yes. and you start listening to people and giving them empathy and they're like if, if you say something to someone and they go oh that's scary and you say oh but 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 get your butt out of my face right. you know like you just invalidated everything I said it's piss off but I've if you if you empathize and say wow you know you're right it, it would be scary wouldn't it you're 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 expressing some fear that you know within this situation so you know what I'm afraid of that too oh okay so hey now we, we share the same values and that's that's why by the way, not but that's why because I can I can understand that because I'm afraid that poor people aren't going to be taken care of under a government system. I'm afraid that we're not going to have peace when we have you know all, all of these weapons laying around. I well, don't mean individual firearms. I mean like nuclear answer. weapons. You know, <laughs> you're answering the question. Oh, before sorry, I ask it. sorry. But, but so the question is, why is ending the federal government important? It's important because this is how we move humanity forward to a more ethical society. Don't hit, don't steal, don't kill was not unless you're an IRS agent or a policeman or a soldier. And the fact is that this movement about freedom is about raising the standard of ethics in society. The more ethical we are, the happier we are. The more ethical society is, the more ethical the people around us are, the happier we get to be because it means that people aren't doing unethical stuff to us and we're not suffering the consequences systemically as we are in the United States today of this overgrown kind of modern bureaucratic government that stifles so many economic freedoms that we see so much pain and suffering that is unnecessary. So is it is it important? Uh, only if you care about human happiness. Only if you care about you know a, abolishing uh, the, the suffering that goes with the violence of government. Uh, if, if you understand that nonviolent relations are always more conducive to human happiness than violent ones, and from the perspective of abolishing government as a whole, it's pretty obvious when you step back that about ninety percent of the violence in the world today is done in the name of government. So hey, you get rid of government, bam, right away, 90%. And of the remaining 10%, 90% of that is indirectly caused by government in the war on crime, the war or the war on poverty, the war on drugs, drugs right, especially. Yeah. Uh, and 
in the government monopoly on justice services, it creates an incentive for petty crimes that creates all sorts of other problems. Uh, the, the drug war actually, by creating such massive uh, economic institutions in gangs or cartels or whatever they're trying to be demonized as today by government, creates a, a whole other opportunity for human trafficking mm -hmm. and sex slavery and some really other horrific violations of, of human rights that wouldn't happen if you hadn't pushed what would be a major legitimate in industry yeah. into the black market. So, Yeah, if they were just a regular-ass business. Right. So it's, it's easy to present this ideal, hey, stateless society, but when you talk about ending the federal, or federal government as a whole, it's not to overthrow it in one night, it's to face up to the problem that we have and do this in a responsible, peaceful, orderly manner that doesn't pull out the rug from underneath anyone, except maybe the IRS agents, I don't mind letting them go. <laughs> well, people say, you know, and this is this is a serious question, like, you know, Adam, how do you deal with different departments? And for yeah. if you know this, that the plan is to go in, sign one executive order that begins the administrative process of dismantling the federal government, appointing secretaries for each department, but they're not secretaries, they're custodians. Mm -hmm. And it's an important titular distinction that they are not of any authority except to carry out the, as much as possibly, preordained plan as laid out in that executive order. Yeah. I resign from the presidency with this executive order to become custodian of the federal government of the United States where my only power is to, I should say authority, is to replace the department heads if one of them gets ill or dies or isn't following the plan close enough to, uh, you know, to, to honor the request of the American voting public in that sense. And some agencies, it's going to be really easy, you know, like the IRS. If we decide to be nice and not cut their hands off first, okay, we just send them home, you know, like not even two weeks notice, like the notice is we win the election. By the time I get sworn in, you're, 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 you get way too much notice. You get November whatever until January 21st. That's, that's too, it's more notice than you deserve. Right, right. You know, there are other agencies like the Department of Education that doesn't run a single school or educate a single child. It's really just, hey, send everybody home in a responsible way, pack it up, and I think really you take the, uh, the physical resources of the Department of Education, which are you know, the buildings, yeah. the, almost insignificant in the bigger picture, sign them over to the Department of Defense because they're going to be dealing with way bigger logistics and do it all through one channel. So there are a lot of agencies that, that would be handled like that. And then like the VA, what do you do with the Department of Veterans Affairs that's mm -hmm. serving a legitimate function, at least taking care of people? Spin it off. It's a private charity now. Right. And every single veteran in this country, every single veteran gets one voting share. Make it electronic, really simple. You sign up, you get a voting share. We have a board of directors, an executive director, a chairman of the board. And it lasts for as long as it can. Maybe it gets an endowment, maybe it runs on donations. But hey, you own the hospitals now, you own the staff, you know. Yeah. And, and that it, it can be allowed to continue. Yeah. Or it can as, combine as, with other existing well, charities. As long, or, yeah, yeah. As, as long as it is... Uh, disconnected from taxation, right. from the violent support of the federal government and the regulation of that, of course, and allowed to, to, to flourish or to, to finish its purpose, you know, yeah. as generations of veterans pass, to, uh, to, to, to complete its purpose. Uh, what do you do with, you know, welfare and things like that? You know, some of those have to be uh, localized to the state level mm -hmm. in, in a responsible manner, and, and that's not an easy administrative task. That's something that might take several years national parks. I don't want to 
you know, just destroy these or, or, or let them be open to homesteading, which right. in a sense might be like the pure, simple, simple ethical thing to do now. But I think there's an interest in preserving these as, as cohesive units of value as a large national park. And the way to do this to transition to broad public ownership is you put an office at the front of the, the, the park for six months and you say, anybody who shows up with a thumbprint and a name gets one owning share and now this private organization. And if it's, you know, the national park in, I don't know, there's some national park in Montana where yeah. it's just, you know, the government keeping people from using millions of acres. Okay, cool. You want to sell it off and claim your share? Hey, guess what? Cool. Because you put your thumbprint and you were on it, you get to sh you get you get a check, you know, from, from when that is when that part is sold off. If it's, you know, Yellowstone and you show up at Yellowstone and Yellowstone becomes a private charity and they want to keep it as that and charge admission or make it free or you know, donation based, it's up to the people who now claim that ownership of it. So like, there, there hasn't been a single challenge in this that we haven't been able to go, well, we could do it this way if we had to, you know, and it's, it's hey, this is a lot easier than waiting for the collapse. You yeah. know, they're, they're going to they're gonna be some imperfect answers. They're going to be some challenges. But... Hey, we're going to end war, pretty much for all time. We're going to end war. We're going to please. We're going to dismantle the nuclear arsenal. We're going to do the best that we can to honor treaties with Native American tribes that have been violated. We get to disown the debt instead of forcing it on our children. Yep. I mean, and it's there are these huge, huge resolutions of major ethical transgressions by the federal government that we get to do in this process that really are just so beautiful. I'm totally infatuated with the idea. Um, so my perspective has been, and, and kind of still is, but like, I mean, I'm, I'm infatuated with the idea because you have taken it to the point of making a plan and showing how it can actually be done. You well, know, in my head, at least so far, but no, we'll, we'll just say, so you know, like the, the executive order itself, um, when I write American Freedom, the campaign platform, I'm going to be consulting with a lot of experts to flesh out some of the, what do you do with this department and this yeah. department? And the military, obviously, is a huge one. But then for writing the executive order, we're going to need a team of lawyers. Yeah. You know, and this is going to come, this is not going to come until we've raised enough money with the campaign. And we have a clear enough vision. We have enough momentum behind this, so that we can credibly say, "Look, this is this is an evolving document. As the government changes, we change the executive order." But they're like, the, so the book American Freedom will say, "Go to kogushfornotpresident.com for the latest version of the executive order." But it, it's going to take a team of lawyers to craft it, so that the principles that that we lay out in terms of how to move forward are really. Uh, captured very precisely in legal terms that you know even as only essentially a public declaration at that point yeah. is really a declaration of no authority right that there are still clear enough uh, binding procedures in that administrative process the constitution of no authority yeah right is that a spooner? <laughs> yeah I'm just, yeah well it's yeah, I've, I've certainly taken some inspiration from Spooner and all yeah, of this, I, and, and he's been an, an incredible voice in the movement, even from so many years. Until I heard your idea of potentially running for not president, like my perspective had always been, well, you know, in order to become a stateless society, it's going to be a multi-generational thing, and... You know, we have to start with the education of the children and, like, you know, no. all this kind of thing. No. And so, like, and I'm not know. willing to wait. And, but, like, you have this, like, <laughs> shortcut. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, like, yeah. 
It has teeth. It really yeah. does have teeth, in, in my opinion, anyway. And, you know, if you're listening, go look this stuff up yourself. Don't <laughs> just take our opinion for it. Go look it up and research it. But, and that is very attractive to me because, well, I'm getting older, you know. I got more gray in my beard than ever, you know. Um, and, like, I mean, I would love to, you know, if we can't see it before I die, I would love to at least see it Oh, no, you're process. so young. You're you so know. young, and and with life extension technology that, that we're on the cusp of right now, wow. if you're young and healthy as you are today, you congratulations, you've reached longevity escape velocity, as, as Dr. Aubrey de Grey puts it. You will not die of old age unless you choose to. Well, that's, the, that's where we're at. But even back to what you were saying yeah, about yeah, this okay. campaign, uh, it, this could be a 20-year project to abolish the federal government. And, yeah. and I will run until someone better comes along with this platform, or I win, or the federal government ceases to exist one way or another. Right. And as I see going into 2020, I hope this doesn't sound arrogant, but given what we saw at the 2016 convention, given what we saw as the scope and the state of the Libertarian Party, and given what we've been able to accomplish on this tour four years in advance, not you know just starting to build our organization, if I'm not a lock for the nomination in 2020, it's going to be because someone came in and really out-organized us and made the Libertarian Party huge, in which case I'll be happy to lose <laughs> to someone. Like, you know, if, if Gary Johnson wants to run again in 2020 and he, instead of going and climbing mountains, you know, he goes and builds the organization and out-organizes me, you know, hey, hey, more power to him. I'll yeah. still endorse him and support him in that. But They uh, call that a, a happy problem in the business. Right, right. right. Yeah. So it, if... Assuming we get the nomination in 2020, I'm very confident that we can at very least have a breakout year for the Libertarian Party and, and get 3 to 5% maybe. We get the nomination in 2020, uh, I think 3% nationally is a very reasonable goal. Gary won, then two, then we get three. Yeah. But because we've planted the flag on this platform, every time the federal government screws up between 20 <laughs> and 24, and it might happen, you know, I mean, it's just... Just throwing it out there. I think I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to keep pissing people off. I get to be the one to say, hey, if you had voted for me, that agency wouldn't even exist <laughs> right now. Nice. And 2024, I think it's very reasonable to say that we're going to be uh, in contention for the debates at that point. Yeah. And if not, I think we're going to be able to get somewhere closer to 10%, you know, okay. 8 to 10% of the popular vote. And 24 uh, if, if we're not in the debates then, certainly by 28, and maybe not 28, maybe 32, maybe 36, that's when we can win on this platform. That's when, when people are going to see. And at this point, it could be that what we're doing when we win is going to pick up the pieces and clean up the mess. If yeah. the dollar's already collapsed because enough people have realized that it's a scam and dropped out, and I'd like to hope that this campaign can have something to do with waking people up to that and, and getting more people out of the dollar system. So... Uh, if somebody has, somebody asked me, like, well, Adam, what do you do with the Federal Reserve? What do you do with the dollar system when you take office with this platform? And well, really, do we? End the, no, no, no. You, the answer is it, it's a, a beautiful libertarian answer. Let the market decide. Do we need to kill the dollar? No, spin it off. It just doesn't have right federal answer. backing anymore. I'm not. I'm actually not going to end the Fed. I'm going to end the entire federal government. And the Federal Reserve is this private institution now. Uh, but, but. In, unless we hit a tipping point, and we could hit that magic tipping point before 2020, imagine we get 50% of the population to be willing to raise their hand and say, yes, I'll vote for abolishing the federal government. At that point, how many have already 
it just to the casual extent that I have checked out of the dollar where I mean it's still my primary currency but I have no savings in dollars right. uh, I have all my savings are in, in metals or in Bitcoin or in physical property right. um, I do as much of my business as I can in barter and in Bitcoin if imagine if just tw- like if that's right now five percent of the population who lives who's living like that if, imagine if we made it 20 percent sweet could do you, do you think we're not going to get to that point before 50 percent will say i'll vote to abolish so right. like we we could be by virtue of building this campaign to that yeah. critical mass collapsing the dollar before we even yeah. get there and that that might mean a, a totally different executive order is needed to pick up the pieces and clean up the mess we've got a, a very short period of time left here so i wanted to give you an opportunity to tell people how they can help if they're interested Tell people where to go, how to get involved, that kind of a thing. Well, if you want to really support this cause, the most important thing to do is live free and be happy. The second most important thing is share that with people. And in sharing it, share the implications and the understanding that go along with that. And for me, that means sharing the book, sharing the message, the book that I wrote to be the ultimate red pill, the easiest way to take someone from zero to, I get it, it's 100 pages free in every digital format possible, including audiobook at thefreedomline.com, thefreedomline.com. And if you go to the forums there and sign up under your state with your name and your contact information and what city you're in, we'll get you plugged into the state uh, by state organization as we develop this platform and the organization behind the campaign uh, over the next six months. So it's awesome if, if anybody who's listening uh, really wants to come on board. <clears throat> uh, the way we're really organizing this and getting people plugged in is on the forums at thefreedomline.com. And uh, that's, that's the most important thing for right now, to be signed up, to be part of the organization, to be delegates in 2018 and 2020. I'd like to thank you for listening, my guests for participating, and especially the punk rock band 390 for contributing music. If you want to find me, I'm on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the reverend captain kickass thanks peace